I'm Major Robert Rhodes, and welcome to Thinking Inside the Bots, the podcast of Operations Group at the National Training Center, Fort Irwin, California. Thinking Inside the Bots brings you best practices from the Army's experts in combined arms operations. This podcast provides unique insights from our observer coach trainers that every month experience a brigade fighting in a large-scale combat operation scenario against a thinking peer threat inside the bots, which is what we call our training area in the Mojave Desert. We hope that by sharing our lessons, we can increase understanding of how to fight on the modern battlefield. We want to give all the tools so the unit can win here, and if called to, to dominate in combat. To set the stage for our series, we have a special guest, the Commander of Operations Group, Colonel Terry Tillis. He arrived here after Commander Brigade in 3rd Infantry Division, but this is his third assignment to the National Training Center. He also spent a tour at our sister combat training center in Louisiana, the Joint Readiness Training Center. He has spent over six years at combat training centers, which is a great indicator of how important our combat training centers are and the lessons that can be gained from there. Sir, thank you for joining us. And first up, why keep coming back to the desert? Hey, thanks, Robert. It's a pleasure to be here today. There is no better place to work on warfighting. The number one place to come back to, and the reason we keep coming back is because it's a great place for us to not only master our portfolio, uh, but to really work at combining arms in the close fight. And I think it's a great place to not only train, but continue to learn. And there's no better place that I've personally served at that you can have a greater impact on the Army. And I specifically mean just while we're serving under ForceCom, you have the ability to work uh, with TRADOC and the Combined Arms Center at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. And we really get to put uh, together a rotational design that challenges our BCTs while simultaneously helping our brigade combat teams prepare for pinning deployments against a peer-peer threat. Uh, and it's really a valuable place for us to operate. What I would also like to say is I've come back so many times because my family and I enjoy it here. This is really a hometown that we call our second home. Uh, my wife is from Southern California area, and we have a lot of family and friends who are local to the area. We really enjoy the ability to travel as much as we can uh, when we have the time off. And we really love that we are in a small community and our, our family really just embraces that. And we, we personally love it here um, and it will always have a special place in our heart. Yes, sir. I know. I was uh, I was actually very surprised and happy with my experience at uh, at NTC so far. When it comes to just the the work life balance, you work hard on a rotation, but then when you have your time off, there's so much to experience around here. I think a lot of people don't appreciate that. I mean, one weekend I went skiing and to the beach on the same weekend, and it's a real unique post for our army. And sir, you're talking about how much you appreciate, you know, especially the rotational design bit for rotations and helping create that operational environment for a unit to train on. So over your assignments here, especially this recent one, as we've been transitioned to multi-domain operations, what are the changes you've been seeing at the National Training Center? So I would tell you, the first and foremost, we get to serve alongside some of the, the greatest professionals uh, in the United States Army, uh, not just those who are serving uniform uh, but from our teammates who are civilians who've got a lot of time out here and a lot of experience out here. So I, just being able to serve alongside so many people um, and to learn from one another and to set the conditions here to actually learn and then continue to develop others, it's just a great opportunity. And that has actually been the case in every assignment each time through here. My first time uh, assigned to the National Training Center, I was just returning from OIF-1. 
Um, and at the time, we were doing high-intensity conflict operations here, known as HIC rotations. Uh, at that point, the Army uh, had not transitioned quite to what we call counterinsurgency or COIN rotations. Uh, but the second time through here, that was primarily what we've done. And we watched the Army change and adapt to a threat. Uh, and I think that we've done a very good job of being adaptive here and replicating uh, what the OE may look like to include an enemy threat that is realistic. And then also provide a training opportunity for our BCTs and the battalions down to the squad level uh, to get an actual good repetition in uh, prior to deployment. My third time through here, it was formerly known as decisive action rotations, also known as date rotations, and we transitioned now into the multi-domain operations. I think what's unique about each of these is we've been adaptive. The Army continues to learn. Um, and in, in unison with updating our doctrine and then replicating what the OE will potentially look like, whether it's an Indo-PACOM, UCOM, or CENTCOM, or whichever combatant command we support, the rotational design allows us to maximize our potential uh, and also allows us to maximize the training readiness uh, for each of our formations that come through here. Yes, sir. And just uh, last month, we did uh, a fairly unique thing for us, uh, at least recently. We had a rotation where we trained a division as the primary tactical echelon. What were some of the takeaways from that rotation, sir? So it, that was a, a very great opportunity uh, for us. And for the National Training Center, it was a great opportunity for us to serve as a core level headquarters um, and work with the division headquarters. It's something that we've, we learned to replicate and there are things that we will continue to improve on as we will potentially do this at least one or two times a year moving forward. What I would say that I think we've learned the most from is that watching uh, the division headquarters come through is it's not serving as a high comm. It actually became a higher headquarters and had to resource subordinate organizations. And that led to a lot of friction. It led to a lot of friction because it's out here in the dirt. Um, you're training on your own systems. Um, you're not plugged into uh, MTC. So that this is an opportunity for us to fight uh, out here in the dirt, work through that friction. And then really it's about synchronizing the warfighting functions. And I think it was a great opportunity uh, to see at Echelon Division Brigade 06 level headquarters down to battalion headquarters. And in, even including the SFAB into this as part of the rotational design. It was unique. Uh, I think we've learned a lot. And I think we have a pretty good a product uh, that we can continue to improve on for future rotations. Yeah, sir, and I think that yeah, that friction is just such an important point because um, warfighters are are great training events for divisions, but oftentimes what they don't experience is there's command control systems not actually having to talk at distance with subordinate units with uh, planning processes that you know aren't necessarily replicated when your subordinate units are are pucksters. And so for a division to have that experience out in the dirt and experiencing that friction, I think, was a great learning lesson for uh, for the Army. And there's a lot of takeaways. And now turning towards uh, our more normal operations, which are brigade rotations, what are the primary trends you have identified for brigades to address? Uh, there's a myriad of, of trends as we think about it. And you think about the National Training Center. There's a professional op for that replicates a peer-to-peer -peer threat. And there's no place that does that. And we've done everything from incorporating UAS systems uh, to jamming, uh, to utilizing space and other threats uh, that propose a very worthy opponent for our brigades that come through here. I think the other thing that's unique about the National Training Center is our IS system that allows us to replicate indirect fires um, and allows us to 
to replicate different forms of contact across the formation from brigade all the way down to the squad and even individual vehicle crew level. I think the other thing that's pretty unique about it is we get to conduct large scale live fire operations uh, at battalion and brigade level where we can utilize both rotary aviation and fixed wing aviation in conjunction with our indirect fires capabilities. So I think just the National Training Center and what we're resourced and prepared to execute, just a great opportunity and a great place to train. Now, I know you asked me about trends, but I highlight all of those up front because to fight that peer-to-peer threat and execute live fire operations, I think it starts with your C2 system. It starts with the ability to talk. It has the ability, whether what you choose to be your pace plan, whether it's over a radio, JVCP, or utilizing your upper TI uh, mission command systems, your C2 system, specifically the ability to talk and the ability pr- to produce warfighting products at scale and to be able to share those products uh, to increase shared understanding across the board is probably the first thing I would tackle. The second one is the sustainment, uh, specifically for the ABCTs and the SBCTs that come through here. It's understanding the demand um, and the commodities within the demand of each of your formations. I think you've got to ensure that the system, the sustainment system is in place and it's functional and you're utilizing your log stats to create the demand and you're able to pass those and then package to help sustain yourself beyond 96 hours. I think the next step I would say is look at your intel collection, i.e. your sensor uh, and then to your shooter and your fire system. I think for both of those, there's a technical side to that that I would recommend that you utilize your systems. Uh, specifically to make sure they're technically uh, capable. And then I would focus on the system, the process, and the people. And I say the systems because we all have a system tied to our SOPs and what the Army's issued us. There's a process that's tied to doctrine and your SOPs based off the unit you serve in. And it's the people that make the system and process work. Those are things that we routinely see as areas uh, that we struggle in. Um, and I think part of utilizing your own equipment to validate your systems prior to arriving at the NTC is probably the biggest thing I would offer to anyone thinking about that uh, as far as trends go. An uh, additional trend uh, that we see pretty routinely is you outrun your communications and you outrun your sustainment. So it goes back to the C2 system and the sustainment system. But again, if those aren't right, it's going to be very difficult for you to fight, uh, utilize the other war fighting functions. Uh, but that, uh, that's the, what I would call the, the most recent trends I've seen. Yes, sir. Uh, systems, processes, and people. You know, by highlighting our uh, instrumentation system that uh, the National Training Center has, which is kind of a unique capability that reprovides a lot of data. And just you know, for our audience, you know, just as you look at uh, the Center for Army Lessons Learned, as well as our mill suite, there's a lot of great data that we pull from that IS system that is put into products there that your organization can learn from. And then, sir, for uh, you know, just picking up on some of these trends and uh, for command control systems, one thing that I know you you often highlight is for um, we're right now very concerned about command post survivability. But there's a balance that you talked about, sir, between functionality and survivability. Can you expound on that a little bit, sir? What I would offer uh, as a way to think about it, absolutely command posts need to become more survivable. Uh, There's nobody that questions that. Uh, But I would offer maybe to look at functionality first. Do you have the equipment? Do you have the systems, your own systems? And then there's a technical side. Do they work? I think that's the first step. Do you have the power generation? Do you have those things? The second part is defining how you want to fight. 
So you have the functionality piece of the system itself, but then it's how are you going to fight? What warfighting products do you need to produce at what echelon and how are you going to distribute them? I think that's a very important thing to think about for your command post so it can execute the six talk functions. I think the third one that I, I will routinely say is, is it effective? I think those are the things that I would ask folks to think about uh, because a command post exists for one reason, and that is to synchronize those warfighting functions to receive that data, to be able to analyze it, and then distribute that data. So if the command post is not doing that for you, it's not going to be functional and it's not going to be effective. But if you can find the balance where you can do those things during certain periods of time based off of whether the OE is permissive or not permissive, I think that is very helpful. And then in turn, if you can take those systems and then turn it into a command post that is smaller, distributed, and dispersed, it becomes more survivable. Yes, sir. And then also for, uh, for sustainment, I know uh, an important thing at the National Train Center is to, is to arrive with your combat power and you know, to actually have that combat power to fight. And can you talk a bit about maintenance lessons we've learned in the last few months? I, th I think the number one thing is if you understand your formation and you understand what you're consuming and then what those commodities are and how you package them. And I think if folks will take a, a hard look, because you can do that anytime you do a field training exercise at your home duty station, you can see what you are, essentially what you are burning, um, and whether it's fuel, whether it's ammunition, whether it's a certain set of parts or if it's class 3P, whatever it may be, you should have a pretty good read on the demand. I think also if you utilize your field trains in accordance with doctrine and you use your combat trains uh, that you can utilize to fix forward quickly, then understand what that demand is and distribute. I think that that's very powerful. And just to understand inside of the BCT what an alpha company distro can do is it receives uh, within the BSA at your field trains and then as it carries forward into distribution uh, to your subordinate forces. If you look at that model and you look at how you are aligned and do you have the system, the process, and the people to operate those systems and processes is extremely important uh, to your success here at the National Training Center. Yeah, sir. And I think that if units can practice that before they come here, they can really become experts on them and have success here and have the combat power they need to fight. And then, sir, if you are desperately listening to this podcast because you're deploying to the National Training Center in a month, what would you focus on? I would take the time to think about how I want to transition into the rotation. And I'd offer, take the perspective of your rotation here at the National Training Center begins with LTP, uh, the Leaders Teach program that we, we execute here. Um, and it's a great opportunity. And if you have the opportunity to utilize your command post, utilizing your own systems and executing a CPX and also utilizing your SOP to execute MDMP, military decision-making process, before you get here so your team understands the system and the process on how it wants to work, I think there's value you added. That's phase one if you look at it, LTP. And then phase two is RSOI. How do you want to package your equipment? How do you want to align the personnel to operate the equipment as you deploy forward? And how are you going to receive it and stage it in preparation for onward integration, also known as RSOI? So I would tell you, those are the first two things I would think about. The rotation itself is really the third phase of your operation. Um, and at that point, it goes back to what we discussed earlier. It's, it's really putting the emphasis on getting your C2 systems and your sustainment and logistic systems in place and operational. And then I think it leads into the next part of it is those feed your warfighting functions. 
And in that phase, uh, phase three, it's validating by warfighting function that you can technically capture uh, what each and every one of them were supposed to do and provide for you, and then think through how you want to fight, uh, which is also linked to the first phase, LTP, and which you can now do that when you get here during RSOI as you start this rotation. And then the final phase of it is phase four, which is regeneration. But if you look at it from that perspective, and you spend a lot of time by warfighting function validating your systems, your processes, and the people that operate those, you'll quickly realize there's going to be some areas that you're just going to have to mitigate risk on. But it's better to know that about your formation and know your formation before you get here versus executing a little discovery learning. Because it's the worst feeling in the world is when you get here and you didn't pack what you needed. Now what? The mission's not going to go away. You just got to figure out a different way to do that. And you got to come up with the right frame of mind. It, this is a leader development opportunity. There's no better place in the world to come and train. Uh, it is the crown jewel uh, for a reason. And that is so you can come here and really work on being a warfighter, working on your tactics, your techniques. And then, of course, I think the other piece of it is, is just being coachable. Stay focused work hard each and every day, learn and strive to learn, and then understand what the standards are and enforce those standards for your subordinates across the board. And I think if you come in with the right frame of mind, you'll do very well here. All of the observer controllers, trainers, and teachers are all here to help. And one of the things that we probably don't talk about enough is that we truly are here to partner with you. We truly want to see rotational units be successful because your success here leads to a better chance uh, for you as you deploy from here. So we're going to go all in. We're not going to just write some notes in our green book and wait till an AAR. We're actually going to try to help coach in mid-flight to maximize the training opportunity you have here on ground. And then during the AAR, we'll talk about what happened, why it happened, and how we can improve on it moving forward. So you've got my word uh, as a commander of operations group that we're going to be all in. Uh, and we love to partner with the rotational units. Uh, we love to partner with our, our, our teammates in 916th and also in 11th ACR uh, because we exist to help the rotational unit improve and leave here at a higher level of readiness uh, than when you arrived. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that, that is a great message for our listeners to, uh, to take away. We are here to help you. And there's a, there's a lot of other resources that we have out there. I've said before, but our mill suite site, look at that for fighting product examples, for techniques. Reach out to the teams. Um, we point contacts on there, so don't be afraid to reach out to the observer coach trainers here uh, for assistance and for best practices, and also to look at our publications with the Center for Army's Lesson Learned. So, sir, thank you for joining us today. It's been, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Inside the Bots, the podcast of Operations Group at the National Training Center.